where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm James. And I am John. Today we're talking about episode 6 of season 4. I will gladly pay you Tuesday. Yes, please. Yes, which is a reference to Wimpy's catchphrase from Popeye the Sailor. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. See, he's a wily fellow because he knows that come Tuesday, you won't. What if it is Tuesday? He never uh, meets the hamburger vendor on Tuesdays. That is the linchpin of his plan. This always sets up the episode that someone's going to borrow money. But first, a bathroom stuffing contest. This was a fun cold open. I was surprised by it. I didn't really know. I wasn't expecting it. I think it might be one of our favourite cold opens, James. I just think it was a bit unexpected. I thought it was unexpected because there was nobody in the bar. And I was like, what's going on? And then you see Norm trying to shove himself in the bathroom. And that only raised further questions. But of course, it's natural that in like every every bar at one point in time, try and stuff the bathroom with the whole occupancy of the bar. It's a firm tradition. Jesus has got a big bathroom as well. It's got a fairly decent bathroom and it's a genuine toilet. <laughs> and then there's another callback. That's a while ago now. It was when the bathroom set was first introduced. And I was so convinced uh, that, you know, stuffing a lot of people into cramped areas is a tradition of sorts. You know, phone booths have been one such item. Cars. Bunkers. Bunkers, as in air raid bunkers. Air raid bunkers. But I was thinking of, you know, The Simpsons. I do know The Simpsons. And and the episode when they think a meteor is coming in, they all go in the Flanders' bunker. They're pretty jammed in. That's about the same size as the bathroom in Cheers. Yeah. They think they beat the record and then another customer comes in. And he wants to use the bathroom too, like a fool. And maybe they would have beat the record if he went in, but he couldn't. He couldn't. It was too full. Norm was up against the door. And they all got trapped in. Anyway, I don't know what you said when this episode came out, James. It was released on the 7th of November, 1985. And this episode was written by Shui Aiken and Bill Steinkellner. Who do you think directed it, John? Um, James Burroughs. That's a good guess. It's like you've done this before. Ah, just a lucky guess, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, this is our 78th episode, which means James Burroughs directed 75 episodes of Cheers so far. Ah, should we drop it to the main part of this episode, James? It's about a book and money. Let's take it to the start. Diane wants money because she's seen like a book in her bookshop. She thinks, ah, I'm going to get all of the money for getting this book. It costs a hefty... $500. It's an expensive book, but there's reason for it, isn't there, James? Yeah, it's signed. Signed by none other than Mr. Hemingway, who I hear is a big deal. He's done a few things. Not much lately. No, yeah, I haven't seen him around lately. Diane's sort of fishing for people. She's going, I just just need this money. And everyone's sort of backing away. No one else is interested. In fact, I've got a little summary here. Diane wishes to borrow $500 from Sam to buy a signed copy of The Sun Also Rises. But in this exercise of trust, will the ex-lovers be earnest with each other? I'm going to guess there'll be some conflict, there'll be some resolution. It's all going to come together in the end, James. Just like the book itself, a well-written tale of mystery. It's as if Hemingway wrote this himself. And like you alluded to, Diane does borrow the money from Sam, which Sam seems kind of happy to do. He seems alright with it, which I was surprised by. Diane's quite taken back by him very happily handing it over and lending her it. This really is an extraordinary attitude. Well, the truth is I've had a lot of trouble loaning people money in the past. You know, hurt a lot of feelings. 
lost a couple of buddies once. So I decided from now on, anybody asks me, I'm just going to give them the money and never expect to see it again. She gets a bit insulted by that. Whoa, I'll pay it back. I, I am honest. I am honest, Diane. That's what they call me. Nobody's called you that, Diane. <laughs> I'm going to be honest from now on. Yeah, Diane always lies. She goes, I'm never coming back. And then she's back. She's like a yo-yo. Oh, what's the phrase? Yesterday's, it's not yesterday's jam. Yesterday's yo-yo? Yeah, sure. Like yesterday's yo-yo. Yeah, it doesn't go great, really. She uses the $500 that she gets lent and she, she goes buys the book, but she doesn't really tell Sam about it. No, she doesn't tell him what she needs the money for. And he becomes more and more sort of suspicious. He just guessed that she, it was going to be frivolous stuff. But he's kind of egged on by Carla a bit. Sam's like, you do your hair or makeup or whatever, or whatever else you want to get Diane. That's not me guessing. It's a paraphrase of what Sam was saying. But when she appears with this stuff, he gets all sort of agitated about it. Yes, but only because Carla was provoking him. Yeah, she always does. It's her character. Eventually, Sam learns it is a book, and this is where he gets irritated. Not because Diane was spending frivolously like it reminded me vaguely of goodfellas you know when uh, they take all that money because of the lufthansa heist hmm. and one of the goodfellas perhaps the best fella needs to tell the other fellas and their girlfriends what you're doing buying a nice coat what you're doing buying a nice car think don't be spending all this money everywhere this is how they catch us you know and it's a similar thing with diane don't be spending money when you know you're not supposed to have it it's a strange one because I don't really get where the money's come from. Because she bought the book, but she didn't. She hasn't sold the book yet. But now she's buying a load of stuff. I thought about this too, and my theory is perhaps she was being frugal and trying to save up enough money to buy this book, and then she got the money anyway from Sam. So she was like, "Well, now I've got all this money which I allocated to buying the book, but now isn't book money? It's other." stuff money. Ah, that's a good call, actually. I wonder how much a book signed by Hemingway is actually worth. Now? Yeah. The signed book Diane bought for $500 was sold for $100,000 at auction in 2018. A first edition signed copy, even in poor condition, can also sell for $300. And that little tidbit may be relevant later. Well, there is a difference between poor condition and destroyed. Like you say, we'll get to that. But yeah, so to summarise this sort of portion of the story, Diane wanted money. Diane got money from Sam. Diane's been buying a lot of nice stuff. She's not paying Sam back. Maybe she'll pay him on Tuesday. And Carla's winding him up about it. Throughout all of this going on, almost like a time traveller, we've got Cliff walking backwards. Yes, and I'll tell you what, I almost forgot about this storyline because it's so <laughs> inconsequential. It's very jam-packed, this episode. Like the bathroom. Yes, exactly like the bathroom. That stuffing the bathroom full of jam. Mm. <laughs> but the bathroom... That was a world record. It's a world record themed episode because Cliff's going for the world record of longest time walking backwards. He is indeed. What do you think the world record is for walking backwards? Well, he, he seems to suggest it was over three days. Is it time or distance? Well, no, I think it must be time from what he said because he was like another day or something. Yeah, but the, imagine staying awake for that long. Is it longest time walking backwards? uninterrupted going forward. That could be it. But in that case, someone who's sitting down. Maybe. The condition is they have to be walking, but all the walking they are doing has to be backwards. Well, another thing as well, which I found, is no one's adjudicating this, so it means nothing. <laughs> he's just walking backwards for no reason. He's a fraud. I'll tell you what the proclaimers tried to do it, though, didn't they? Walk backwards? Yeah. That was the subtext of the song. Otherwise, it's not worth singing about. 
I'll walk 5,000 miles backwards. Yeah, I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who's walking backwards to your door. That's that's how it goes. I've got here some world records for walking backwards. Oh, sorry, running backwards. But they're, they're more sort of times. The quickest run backwards of 50 yards, 9.14 seconds. Some people have done a marathon backwards, so that's pretty long. They got nothing on the proclaimers though, do they? Three hours and 40 minutes-ish. Do, do a marathon? Backwards. That's amazing. I feel like we've gone on a tangent on the least important part of this uh, episode. The main main thing is Cliff doesn't break the record, which is, as you said at the beginning, not really connected to the rest of the story. I feel Cliff's just trying to do something noteworthy of his life. Quite often people make fun of him. He's trying to be noteworthy, which is ironic, I suppose, because he carries a lot of notes. But <laughs> it's been something well established that he's the local bar weirdo who perhaps hasn't achieved much. So I understand his ambition to be a record breaker. Ah, yeah. Didn't he say there would be another record that he'd break? He said he would break the record for screaming if there was an adjudicator. Because he he walked backwards into his mum's curling iron, I think. Ooh. Much like a book, let's flip to the next chapter of this story and talk about the book again. Diane, in order for some kind of incentive to give the money back to Sam, goes, Sam, take my book. Yeah, it's almost like a, uh, a, d- a deposit. Keep the book in your safe and never give it back to me until I give you the money for it. She's like, all right, fine. I understand that. And she explains the value and she says, don't wreck it, just lock it away. And whatever you do, don't let anything happen to it. Don't touch it, don't scratch it, don't scratch with it. It reminds me of the uh, scene from Spinal Tap uh, where he's showing his guitar collection, where he goes, don't touch it. This one, don't even look at it, right? Uh, moving on. But what does he do, James? He reads it. Yeah, he gets a bit interested. He's a man of culture. He's read one book before that we've seen, which was War and Peace. Now he's going for something a bit shorter, but perhaps will have equally negative ramifications. Do you know what I did like about a quick line in this? Was uh, to devalue the book. Carla goes, yeah, and it's already been made into a film. And I quite like that. A little throwaway line. Another nice throwaway line, which I liked, is when Sam learns how much the book costs. He states that for $500, he would expect Margot Hemingway to come over and reenact The Sun Also Rises in front of him. Do you know of Margot Hemingway? No idea. Actress and model, and one of Ernest Hemingway's granddaughters. Oh, so there was a bit of logic to Sam's words then. It was smarter than he first let on because of the reference, and he knows who Ernest Hemingway is, basically. But he knows it in reference to the modelling granddaughter. Which, not a surprise from Sam. But uh, yeah, as you said, Sam gets quite heavily invested in this book and he takes it home to read, James. If we've learned anything from Sam, it's that reading will get him nowhere. In fact, it could quite often lead to dire consequences. Which it does this time. Yes. After agreeing that he'll leave it in the safe, I think it's like the next scene. He runs into the bar in a panic. He's destroyed the book pretty much. It's like three times bigger than it was before. And it no longer folds like a book should. It's absorbed a load of water. I thought he left it in his jacket pocket and put it in the wash. No, it was more graphic than that. He was reading it in the bath. Now then picture this. I, I get into a nice hot tub. I'm lying down to soak and read, naked as a jaybird. I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm reading. Oh, oh, oh hold on. I can't get one of your socks off. <laughs> oh, never mind. I can't. Anyway, I'm reading and reading, and I finally come to the part where they tell us the terrible thing that happened to this Jake Barnes guy doing the war. What's that? Well, 
Let's just say that suddenly he could hit those high notes like he never could before. Ouch. That's why I dropped the book in the water. Now the darn thing won't shut. But I recommend you read it, James. I'm not going to wreck it for you. It's about bullfighting. It's often categorised as one of Henry Gray's greatest works. Along with A Farewell to Arms. I'm trying to see if there's anyone who walks backwards in this book, but I don't think they do. <laughs> also, Ernest Hemingway was known to be quite the drinker. Quite the alcoholic he was. Your boy, Hemingway. <laughs> Well, then he probably wouldn't be disapproving of his book being uh, destroyed then. He probably finds it quite funny. I'm not so sure about that. Well, I think most authors, if they've signed a book and then someone's bought it to sell it for profit, I think they'd rather see that book destroyed. You make a good point, John. Yeah? You're a wise man. Thank you. That's my theory. I think it was Hemingway's wish. That kind of falls into what happens later where Diane goes to Sam and asks for the book back and he's like, no, 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 Diane is no. No. And then this guy goes, did I hear correctly? You have an autographed copy of The Sun Also Rises. I'd like to buy it from you. What are the odds, James? What are the odds? At least. Two to one. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's good news. Get a profit, sell the book, win a winner, chicken dinner. Oh, yes. Except bidding war commences. Yeah, in order to hide the fact that he's destroyed the book, Sam outbids. I think is he just credited as Guy. He is not just credited as Guy. I think this is a good time to go through the cast, actually, now that you bring it up. William Lanto as Bruce Sayers. Mm. He also appeared in Ironside, The Waltons, Wonder Woman, All in the Family, Chips, Heart to Heart, Cagney and Lacey, The Wonder Years, New Heart and Coach, among many others. What a repertoire. We also have Eve Glazier as Little Girl, who is this Girl Scout in this episode of Cheers, but is given the name Little Girl. Other than this, she appeared as Janie in The Magical World of Disney in 1986. And uh, she sells some Girl Scout cookies to Diane, which is one of the frivolous purchases. And this is where Sam loses it. He goes, Girl Scout cookies? I'll take a whole bunch. And then he just smashes them all on the desk. And this was the part where I was going, Sam, no, think of the cookies. That was uh, very dramatic, though. It was good. But it does fold into what you said about when someone has made something and they've sold it they'd rather see it destroyed than sold on again for profit they're not signed biscuits but i mean i don't think you'd buy a load of cookies and destroy them in front of a in front of a girl scout no it's 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 one of sam's lower moments it was a bit like the cookie yeah. monster <laughs> sam won't cookie now <laughs> we do have steve Ginelli as steve alan Koss as alan and rick and doska as guy i knew there was a guy yeah, he's the guy from the cold open. Ah. Yeah, that's the guy. He also appeared as a pathologist in Pet Cemetery 2 and Norm in Gordy. Al Rosen also appeared as Al, but is uncredited. I don't remember seeing Al in this episode. He was in the bathroom. Ah, shouting occupied. Yeah, oh, they all shouted occupied, but no, I was there. Al was a main player. He was the first in and was going, guys, everyone come in. And they're like, that's a great idea, Al. What could possibly go wrong? It was just a prank. Pranking Al. And that's a roundup of the cast in this episode. Some nice additions. So how does this bidding war eventually end? The figure gets pretty high, James. But in the end, Diane goes, sorry, that bid's off. Sam, you've taught me a valuable lesson on how meaningful a book can be. I'll give it to you. But she know, that's nice. Nice gesture. Yeah. She's taking a leaf out of Sam's book. Sam's pretty relieved because he doesn't have to show the book. Exactly. And this is when this uh, Bruce Sayers, who's a literary expert, essentially, he leaves. Diane, once Mr. Sayers leaves, she turns to Sam and goes, Sam, you've taught me a lesson and now I'm in love with you again, essentially. 
Yeah, it was quite drastic, quite a tonal shift of the episode. Yeah, and they start kissing and making out and Diane goes, and now I can make a tiny little profit. And I was like, God damn it, Diane, read the room. Yeah, I don't, I don't get what, she said she can give it to him. Yeah, because Sam made the final offer of $1,200. Yeah, but she didn't say sold. She said, stop the madness. <laughs> so don't, don't we get a point, you know, you can't do that. Exactly. She says, but you've already paid me 500 so you just owe me 700 And that's how the episode ends. And I don't think either of them came off too well in this episode. No, not at all. But, well, Sam did, because he's down 12 grand. Not 12 grand, sorry, 1200 It was quite interesting, considering uh, we had Andy Andy back last week, where Diane feared for her life. And this episode ends with the line... Sam, you're holding me a little tight. <laughs> Sam, I can't breathe. So it's not great vibes from this episode of Cheers with that kind of ending, just a dip to black. We sometimes get these endings where it just fades to black after a really, like, you know, subtle light where if you just put a murderous scream at the end. I mean, we heard that once with the ping pong paddle. Yeah. We also got a nice call back to Diane's family in that... They're rich. In that they're rich. And someone said, well, why don't you ask your mother for money? You know, that money which the chauffeur embezzled from the chambers state and diane goes no no i want to learn how to stand by myself and i thought that was quite funny given the origins of the funds that the chambers family have at the moment good old box that's the trivia bell which can only mean one thing james we've got questions lots and lots of questions do you want to kick it off as you said it turns out they didn't beat the bathroom stuffing record Due to a technicality. But what was this technicality? Woody counted himself twice. Once as Woody, once as me. That is correct. In this episode, Diane finds the book that we've been talking about from Hemingway. But what was the bookstore that she found it in? I don't know if it's this one, but there is a famous bookshop in Boston called the Old Corner Bookstore. No, Fathering Your Thoughts Bookstore. When and where did Hemingway sign the book? On the front page? <laughs> on Tuesday? <laughs> no, the correct answer is Madrid, 1927. Well, you've got no proof he actually signed it then. That's just what he writ. I think on the front page was a good answer. Reminds me of the old joke, where was the Magda Carta signed? At the bottom. <laughs> See? I was right. We get a name drop of the hungry heifer again. And Norm says there's a, the chef does a great tribute to swine. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that means, but uh, what is it? Oh, uh, is it called Porky's Three? No, no. A tribute to swine is the sort of thing. Oh, I see. It's three drinks. Ah. Tell you what I'll tell you, James. Two vodka tonics and a Rob Roy. Huh. Don't quite get why. What are some exquisite items Diane purchases in the interim of repaying Sam? Cashmere sweater, a lobster sandwich, and cookies. That's a few of them. Yes, I can list the others. Yeah. A cashmere sweater, a lobster salad sandwich, new shoes, a facial and a massage, and three boxes of Nana's Snickerdoodles from Girl Scout. She also gets a fancy book stand. Oh yeah, I forgot about the book stand. To go with her fancy book, which is now a moist... Pulp. Pulp. <laughs> exactly. That's the last call at the bar, James. I mean, we mentioned a Rob Roy before. You thinking of Rob Roy? Yeah. What is in a Rob Roy? Well, James, to start, you're going to need a shaker or a stirring glass, a bar spoon. That's where I'm pointing out a bar spoon, a strainer, and a cocktail glass. 
Two parts white label blended Scotch whiskey. One part martini. A dash of Angostura bitters. A lemon zest. A cubed ice. What do you think, James? I think it's strong. Don't taste it yet, because we've got to put a whole cherry on top to garnish. That sounds strong, but I'm intrigued. Well, you know, it sounds like a good special for the week. As we uh, take a flip through the book that Sam's destroyed. Oh, how much was the value when it was destroyed? Well, according to that statistic I found, a book in poor condition is $300. But I imagine if it's no longer identifiable as a book, I don't know how much it's worth. I could sell ashes. That doesn't mean it's $300. Let's just call it a cool one fiddy. Cheers, James. This one is to books, Hemingway. And world records. World records, yeah, we can't forget that. Walking backwards and Girl Scout cookies. Cheers. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. (laughs) 